0: This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest, I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. More than 100,000 people answered the call for life and marched in Washington, D.C. for the 47th time last Friday since the infamous Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision legalized abortion on demand throughout the country. Hundreds of Lutherans participated under the call, show up, confess Jesus, be Lutheran. One participant was LCMS social media manager Peter Slayton. He talks about the march on today's World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's fast track. A new Marist poll found that 70% of respondents support significant abortion restrictions, including limiting abortion to the first trimester only. What's notable is that this includes 47% of people who identify as pro-choice. The poll, which was sponsored by the Knights of Columbus, has been running for 12 years. The number of people who support abortion restrictions has been consistent each year. Other findings include that a majority of Americans oppose taxpayer funding of abortion and eugenic abortion for Down syndrome and support mandatory ultrasounds before abortion procedures. A bill to ensure medical care for the survivors of attempted abortions is moving forward in the Bluegrass State. The Associated Press reported Monday that the Kentucky State Senate approved a born-alive abortion bill by a vote of 32 to nothing. It now goes to the State House of Representatives. The legislation would require doctors and health workers to provide medically appropriate and reasonable life-saving and life-sustaining medical care and treatment to infants that are born alive during a failed abortion attempts. It also bars providing from denying or depriving born-alive infants of medically appropriate and reasonable medical care, medical treatment, or surgical care. Violation of those provisions would be considered a felony under the law. In the aftermath of several high-profile church shootings, most Protestant pastors say their congregations have taken some precautions to protect those in attendance. Since 2000, 19 fatal shootings have taken place at Christian churches, while gunmen have also taken lives at other religious sites, such as Jewish synagogues, a Sikh temple, and an Amish school. About four in five Protestant pastors say their church has some type of security measure in place when they gather for worship, this according to a survey from Nashville-based LifeWay Research. The 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 question of guns in church is very much a live debate among pastors as nearly half the pastors say part of their security measures include having armed church members. Combining this with the percentages who say that they have uniformed police or armed security personnel on site, more than half intentionally have firearms at their worship services as part of the security measures. LCMS Communications has created a free, downloadable congregational media kit to assist churches in reaching out to the communities during Holy Week and Easter. The kit, which features the message, God gives us living hope through the resurrection of Jesus, is designed to allow each parish to add its own information and details about Holy Week and Easter services. The theme of the media kit is drawn from 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This new media kit, which features an Easter theme and graphics, is meant to be a companion to last year's Holy Week media kit, which featured the theme, Life and Death are at Stake. Both resources are available at lcms.org. Usted está escuchando
1: el Resumen de Noticias Mundo Luterano.
0: This is World Lutheran News Digest. Good day and welcome to World Lutheran News Digest. I'm host Kip Allen. We just saw the 47th annual Right to Life March in Washington, D.C. And, of course, the LCMS has been heavily involved in the Right to Life movement for many, many years. And we had a very strong contingent there at Washington, D.C., one of whom happens to be the social media... Manager. Manager. Sometimes they call me director and I get a promotion on the air. It never sticks after I leave the air. Oh, (laughs) shame on them. Well, this gentleman's name is Peter Slayton. Peter, you were at the march along with our whole delegation down there, and I know that you were heavily involved in the social media aspect mm-hmm. of it, where we were trying to show on the, uh, on the internet what was going on. Yeah. Just briefly, what did you see? I mean, I saw what I saw, you know, watching <laughs> the stuff here on all the different channels, and um, you would never know it from the major networks that they... 100,000 people and more had gathered in Washington, D.C. Yeah. To speak out on a cause. Well, there's usually a couple hundred
1: thousand, anywhere between 300,000 to, I think the largest group they ever had was somewhere around half a million. I don't know if this year was, was one of their largest. It was certainly a big group Um, and where we were located in the middle of the march you look forward it's a sea of people you look behind you and it's a never-ending sea of people they're just people everywhere and and as far as what we saw you saw everything from infants i believe we had a three-week-old marching with us that was the youngest Uh, somebody brought their baby with and you'll see elderly people in wheelchairs uh, being pushed along so everybody from all walks of life all kinds of backgrounds all's Uh, As we talked with Pastor Salamink on on the coffee hour, everybody was there. Everybody from every group that you could imagine, even people you wouldn't expect to be pro-life,
0: they were there, and they were pro-life, and they were supporting the march. I saw a a woman holding up a sign uh, that said... uh, Being a feminist means being pro-life. Yeah,
1: you had the feminists for life. That is an
0: actual group
1: that is there. The pro-life feminists. Um, You have pro-life atheists. Uh, My wife had mentioned watching one of the feeds. I think the March for Life. Watching their live feed on their on their Facebook, um, she saw LGBTQ for life. Yeah, I saw Uh, that that group as well. I mean, like I said, people that normally. We would, not consi- we would not be walking alongside, or we wouldn't expect to be, I guess is, is probably a better way to put it, are there, and we're all walking with each other for the same cause. We, like, I think I mentioned in one of my conversations, we get there for different reasons. Mm-hmm. We don't have the same fundamental assumptions, but it's interesting that we all end up there
0: in the end. Well, I know in the beginning, when it first started back in 1974, the year after the infamous Roe v. Wade decision, Mm -hmm. I think it was about 10,000 people had gathered. And, you know, for the first few marches, it was largely a Catholic group that Mm -hmm. had gathered. Now, this has grown. I mean, obviously, we're Lutherans, and certainly the Catholics are there in a very, very strong uh, contingent. But... This wasn't just a religious group. It wasn't just a Christian group. We yeah. saw, as you pointed out, there were atheists. There were the LBGT things. I think there were both Jews and Muslims were involved There in
1: There's a secular humanist for life. There is a group that comes as well. Now, it, it is still overwhelmingly a Catholic event. I mean, the Roman Catholics have taken the lead on this. They have carried the banner um, for the, mar- the life pro-life movement largely that they've been the ones who have taken the lead but that's one of the things that we were trying to do as the lcms this year is distinguish ourselves in such a way that even with that being the case with with the roman catholics taking the lead and being the largest voice in this conversation we still wanted to show up confess christ and be Lutheran. And that's kind of the tagline that we marched under this year as we were encouraging our congregations, encouraging districts, encouraging other Lutherans to march. That's what we wanted them to do. That's what we wanted them to do. Show up confess Christ, and be Lutheran, because you can do that at the March for Life. (laughs) (laughs) Any idea how many Lutherans were there? We had a very large group. One of the things that was cool, Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Alexandria, Virginia, always hosts an opening divine service Ah. and then a breakfast before we march. And so we always encourage our people to attend church there. Uh, Nine o'clock, it's the divine service. Then they eat a quick breakfast, and they head on the metro and over they have a Lutheran school. They actually closed their school on Friday and encouraged their teachers and all their students to march. They had a very large group then joining us. I would say we had several hundred who came this year. Most of us wearing the green hats that have kind of become our trademark. The Eyes of Life hats. Eyes of Life is kind of our overarching campaign Mm -hmm. that we run. Go to eyesoflife.org to find out more
0: about that. And there's a very good graphic on that. It's literally what the what the the logo says, "Eyes of life. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's all about teaching the world to see
1: the way Jesus sees us. seeing seeing people with eyes of life, and you know, basically, these are people for whom Christ has died. And that should change how we see them. And Christ is life. He is the way, the truth and the life. And let's learn to see others in that same way that's what it means to have eyes of life and so you go to the website you'll see all sorts of eyes you'll see faces you'll see life (laughs) you'll see (laughs) jesus there too uh, talking about how he sees the world and how we're wanting to speak in that same way and see uh, see life in that same way
0: one of the interesting things that i think has evolved over the years since roe v wade is that science is now coming down on our side
1: yeah, well, I mean, that's that's when we talk about different groups being there. We, we get there for different reasons, but we kind of end up in the same place where you have your secular humanist saying, hey, life matters and life is distinct even within the womb. This is a different life. And so they're getting there for rational, scientific reasons. We get there because God's word says, hey, this is distinct and this matters because Christ died for that person in the womb as well. But yeah, they're they're getting there in the end nonetheless and it is interesting then to see who ends up joining us at these marches that
0: you know, maybe wasn't there in past years, but now they're there. I saw one sign being held by an African-American gentleman that said black lives matter, even in the womb. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And that's 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 an important one. I know one of the statistics that doesn't get talked about very much or at all, especially in mainstream media, is that your Planned Parenthood clinics, your abortion clinics do tend to be disproportionately located in minority neighborhoods. And And this is part of the dark history of Planned Parenthood itself. And so that
0: that sign is speaking to that right there, absolutely. I mean, w- one of the uh, one of the factors that has come out, I believe it's been uh, the CDC has even confirmed this, is that uh, African American women abort their babies three times more than other ethnic mm. groups. And as you pointed out, there is this dark history of Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. Margaret Sanger, its founder, was, was an ardent racist, made no, sure. made no bones about it. She gave talks to the Ku Klux Klan. She was an anti-Semite, mm-hmm. a eugenicist who somehow thought she could improve the race. Mm.
1: Yeah. And what's, what's amazing, though, is in the midst of that dark history and that nastiness, this march is filled with joy. Yeah. You know, as even even as we're marching because of that evil, the the abhorrence of all of that history and all the the death and the murder, as we're confessing, you know, P- Pastor Harrison led us in uh, reciting the Fifth Commandment, and what does this mean from the Small Catechism? And as we're confessing that what we're marching against is murder, we're singing, and everybody around us is singing. People are smiling, they are laughing, and and this protest is not an angry protest. It is not filled with rage and and people and violence. There's nothing of that. It's people holding hands, people embracing, people smiling, people singing, because we know in the midst of all of this death and destruction that we're marching against, Christ is the answer and there is joy in that there's joy to be found in that and and even those who are there the secular humanists and the atheists who, who don't have that same confession that we do you know they still look and they're like they smile along with us because they're like there's there's something here and they can't help but smile and be joyful along with us
0: <laughs> it's interesting to contrast the march for life with the women's march which took place just a week earlier mm-hmm. i I think even less than a week not only were their numbers much smaller that was an angry march. Well, and that that tends to be the comparison when conservative media
1: outlets are making the comparison. Because you're not going to see that comparison made in, in the national media that tries to avoid the March for Life in general. But it, it is a comparison that is continually made between the March for Life, um, the Women's March, and, and even other marches that happen where they are. there's angry, yelling, invectives, and, and swearing, and you have to blur out the signs that people are holding up. And I would say with the March for Life, the, the signs in the march, you don't have to blur any of them out. Now, there are some groups who choose to highlight the extreme nature of some of the abortions. And it's interesting because they seem to be protesting us that we're not extreme enough like they are and showing all the graphic detail of everything that goes on. And they, some groups have this idea that in order to properly protest this, You must show the full extreme in everything, even to us. And so I can't qualitatively say, you know, that there is nothing like that at all. But the overwhelming majority, you can look at any of the signs, any Mm -hmm. of the people who are marching. There is nothing offensive there. There is nothing you need to hide your children's eyes from. Whereas in some of the other marches or the counter protesters that show up in some of these locations, it's like, I I don't even want to read that sign. It's it's not appropriate for me <laughs> to be looking at, to be reading. You know, it's full of profanity, vulgarity, that kind of stuff. It's just not appropriate. You know, so, the, the others, yeah. they're against
0: something. We're for something.
1: Well, and that's, that's one of the things that we keep saying that we've, I think this has become one of the things that we're regularly saying at this march. You'll hear President Harrison say it. Pastor Bob Zagor at our pre-March rally the night before has said it. Pastor Esgid, who is the pastor at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Alexandria, that I mentioned, this is something that he says we're not here to protest we're here to confess. We're confessing Christ, who He is and what He's done. We're confessing our own sins. We're not here to confess the sins of other people and cast judgment on them. We're first confessing our own sins, and then as we march, we're confessing Christ because He's the answer to all of these problems, um, to, to the issue of life in general. If we're trying to solve the problem of abortion, well, Christ is actually the answer to that problem as well. And so, as we're marching were confessing much more then we're protesting and you know maybe angry about something
0: that's being done, and that that makes it that makes it a very yeah. different kind of march. And I think it's a sadness rather than an anger. Uh, a couple. Oh of the, sure. Yeah. Well, it's a couple of the signs I saw, for example, uh, the the number of uh, of uh, babies killed since 1973, mm-hmm. 61 million. Yeah, that's the number this year. Yeah. yeah. That's about the same amount of people who were killed in World War II.
1: Well, and I, I have some friends. I'm not going to name them here on the air because this is a very private thing for them, but I have some friends who when they march, it, it's with a very deep sadness that they march for the lives that have been lost, mm-hmm. that's 61 million, but also for themselves, some of my friends are un, were unable to have children of their own. And so to be marching for the loss of life for women and men who have made the choice to get rid of their children, when these women would like nothing more than to be able to have children of their own and they're not able to. And so the march becomes a a very personal, deeply sad, sorrowful pilgrimage isn't the right word, but just that walk every year is something that they do and it's just very difficult for them to do. And so, yeah, in the midst of the joy and, and the singing, I, I do have friends who this is just they're filled with a deep sorrow as they march but they march nonetheless because for them it's important to also speak out by marching and to speak out against the violence
0: that's being done well something i've observed over the years is how the average age of the marchers seems to be getting younger and younger and younger each year Mm -hmm. and i saw a number of uh, young people holding up signs that said one-third of my generation is missing.
1: Yeah, that's that's become a very common sign. I think as far as the age getting younger, I mean, a lot, the overwhelming majority of the people there are Roman Catholic. And what you'll see is Roman Catholic schools will send entire busloads of their kids, release them from class, give them a couple of days off and go. I think that's why I was so encouraged to see Emmanuel and Alexandria doing mm. the same thing. It's like, okay, if we want our kids to go— We need to provide a way for them to go. So let's cancel class and give them explicit permission. We want you to go to the march. And maybe if more Lutherans started doing the same thing, we'd start seeing larger presence of our people there as well. It's like, yeah, this is during school, but this is so important. We're going to cancel class so that you can go do that. And
0: the Roman Catholics are doing that. Yeah, that's face it, the Catholics do get some things right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Yeah. In fact, I was watching, uh, the, the, the biggest uh, thing I was watching on uh, on the internet was from the Catholic channel, EWTN, where yeah. they, were, they were doing live coverage. Yep, and that was we were having that conversation uh, just recently with
1: some of our people here. It's like, man, if we had the budget that they do, I would love to be doing such full featured coverage <laughs> and live. I had enough problems just getting internet this year because there were more people. I mean, the usual pattern, we like to be live as much as we can during the march. Mm -hmm. Right there in the middle of the march, I'll be interviewing people who are marching, asking them their impressions, and just kind of giving people a feel for what it's like to be in the midst of that march. And normally, at the beginning of the march, when everybody's gathered near the rally, Internet is awful because everybody's just concentrated in one place. The bandwidth, no matter what provider you're on, there's no bandwidth. It's hard to do video. And then at the end of the march, it's the same thing. We're all gathered by the Supreme Court. It's a huge group. You know, cell phone tower networks, just they can't handle that kind. But usually, as we're marching, everybody's spread out enough that it seems to lessen the load and you can start doing your your live broadcasts. This year? It didn't matter where I was. The (laughs) beginning of the March, the middle of the March, the end of the March, there was hardly any internet bandwidth at all. Which is awful because, okay, then we're not able to go live like we had planned to. But at the same time, it just shows that's how many people were there this year yeah. and marching because internet was down for the entire march. <laughs> <laughs> we crashed the internet. It's like, good news, bad news, people. Uh, good <laughs> news is there's a lot of you. Bad news, you've killed the internet.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I, I've, I was bouncing back and forth all over the uh, the internet searching for any stories I could find and see who was covering it, who was doing yeah, what, yeah. and uh, as I mentioned, you know the, the ABC, CBS, NBC, and CNN. So far as I was, I could not find them covering it at all. That sure. later on, I was seeing an analysis that they did like fifteen seconds worth. Yeah, of you'll coverage. get a little report yeah. in the evening. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, Fox did cover it. In fact, at one point, it was their lead story on their on their website. And of all people, BBC. Oh,
1: interesting. Yeah. I had not seen that one. I heard a lot of people commenting, well, because Trump spoke, the the national media is going to have to cover it now. Mm-hmm. And, well, clearly that didn't happen. I, I think if there's something that goes so strongly against the narrative that they want to push – they're not going to cover it. There's, there's no way you're going to force them into covering something that they don't want to cover. And I'm, I'm willing to bet that when you did see the coverage, it was the anti-abortion protest. It was not the March for Life.
0: <laughs> yeah, it may have been the main ones. I mean, I say it was, That was not the case with uh, Fox and with the sure. BBC.
1: Yeah. If they're, if they're leaning more conservative, yeah. or they're just trying to report the event as it's happening, yeah. but... no one will ever accuse the BBC of being conservative. No, no. So that they fit in the category of we're trying to actually
0: report. Yeah. Great. I love it. <laughs> Let's kidding, do it more of that yeah they were committing journalism (laughs) (laughs) you can go to jail for that sometimes nowadays that's true in fact (laughs) one of the speakers down there was david delayden with the center for medical progress Mm -hmm. who is facing maybe up to 10 years in prison and some serious
1: fines that i've heard have been against him for the investigative undercover journalism he's done Yeah.
0: yeah and uh it's it's horrifying because, you know, the, the things that, had, that came out, I mean, the, during the uh, both the civil and the criminal trial, mm-hmm. was that everything he reported was true.
1: Yeah. He actually hasn't lied. He hasn't doctored anything. He hasn't manipulated or twisted anything. Mm-hmm. It's all factual
0: and accurate. And uh, what they're getting him on, uh, actually, is invasion of privacy. The concept being that California is what they call... Uh, you need uh, to have both sides consent to a recording, oh, okay. which is unusual in most states. It's usually just one, yeah. one side needs to know. But what's interesting about that is that prior, just a few years, a couple of years earlier, uh, there was an undercover group that went into uh, some slaughterhouses hmm. and uncovered horrendous practices. Sure. And uh, the same attorney general, who Kamala Harris, who's now a senator who was one who actually initiated the proceedings against the Center for, Marine, for uh, Medical Progress, actually held a news conference congratulating this other group for doing this <laughs> undercover journalism. Wonder, yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> and, Consistency is uh, not necessarily the name of the game here. <laughs> no, it's not. And neither is, unfortunately, the concept even of even just having dialogue. Sure. You know, abortion is one of these issues where we really cannot compromise. One side or the other has got to win. Mm. And it's well when you're
1: dealing with life itself and like like we've, like I said at the beginning, this is a fifth commandment issue as President Harrison was leading us in the March very clear this is this is a fifth commandment you shall not murder. Well, yeah, you can't take murder halfway and, and compromise. I, be, I believe Solomon uh, may, may have uh, offered a halfway compromise on this <laughs> in, in his wisdom. And the true mother of the baby said, no, 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 let's not go that route. I'd rather that woman have the baby than you cut it in half and the baby die. There's, there's no halfway on this when we're talking about life and whether or not this is a life. I mean, ultimately, that's what the question still boils down to is this a life is this somebody else's life that we're dealing with and i think that's that's why you don't see a lot of this in the major media because if you answer that question yes or no you've you've taken a side and you're going to have to take a stand one way or the other um, and that's not and it's and it's pretty clear if you answer yes what stand you have to take?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and as I said, you know, science is increasingly on the side of the pro-life. That life begins sure. at conception, independent DNA. Yeah, uh, I saw a wonderful sign once. Uh, you know, you, I'm sure that you've heard the uh, the expression, "It's my body, my choice." Yeah. Oh, I saw a sign that said, "If it's your body, why did why aren't you killed in the abortion?" I don't know
1: if I'd uh, necessarily go with that one as as my go-to sign, but um, as
0: far as the point being made, yeah. Well, Peter, we're we're running out of time here. How can people find on our website? I know you're the social media (laughs) manager. (laughs) How can people see what we did at the March for Life.
1: Well, you can head over to our Facebook page. So, facebook.com slash the LCMS. What I just discovered less than an hour ago is that I had gone live on several occasions and the feed dropped and it wasn't able to complete the upload. Well, those just uploaded two hours ago and so there are three new live videos (laughs) from the (laughs) march available now on facebook you can head over to instagram uh we've got some posts there some interviews i did several interviews with various people there at the march president harrison molly hemingway is another one some of our listeners might be familiar with uh, talking about their impressions of of the march and what it means to show up confess christ and be lutheran Twitter, there's a little bit on Twitter, but most of it's Facebook and Instagram. And if you're looking to march as a congregation, if you're wanting to get involved, head over to eyesoflife.org. We are going to be retooling that website to really become a hub and a resource for your congregation as if you want to march here's everything you need to organize a march in your town in your area or to find the one that's already happening and join it other than that lcms.org
0: slash march for life everything's there as well show up confess christ be lutheran amen thank you peter and uh I'm sure we'll see you in the next March. Always glad to be here. Thank you, Kip. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen.